Yo, and welcome to My Summer Lair. I'm your host, Sam Yunin. Thank you, Doug, for uh, sitting down and talking to me about California Typewriter, your new documentary. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll do the obvious question, which is, what is the documentary about? Because there's a couple of cool themes in there. Well, for me, the documentary is about um, how things disappear and how um, all of us have different ways of dealing with things disappearing. Uh, you know, some people look toward the future and some people reminisce and are nostalgic for the past and other people just live in the present. And um, the film for me, I, it's three stories. It's one about the past, the present and the future embodied in these different characters. And I use the, the typewriter uh, in a way to tell that story. Which do you prefer living in, the past, the present, or the future? I try to live in the present. I try to live right now. But I, you know, I'm always thinking about the future, which makes me anxious. And then I, whenever I think about the past, it makes me nostalgic and melancholy. So I, I, I try to live in the present, you know. But um, that, that, that's in a way what the movie was is about because I tried to create a feeling. So when you watch this film, you know, it, it, it kind of gets across what. It's hard to make sense, but... Uh, no, it does make sense. So there's a certain point where where the nostalgia is kind of more stronger, I guess. It gets stronger as it kind of goes along, right? Mm -hmm. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Right. And with technology like a typewriter, finals come back. When you have these things kind of come back, you forget how much you actually miss these things, if that makes sense. You know right. what I mean? It's like, it's like that when the X comes back. Exactly. I think everything in the world is moving in a direction with design where it's all minimal, architecture it's all minimal, kind of a, um, and anyway, every, people, when you just look at social media and everything, there's so much groupthink and um, kind of a sheep mentality, like follow, you know, everybody falls. And I think, you know, I don't know, there was a, you know, the tactile word, the typewriter represents a little bit of just individuality and um, nonconformity. Yeah, and... Anything analog generally, too, is kind of a more holistic experience, right? Because you got to put the, the paper into the typewriter, you got to roll it in, you got to start typing. Like, there's a lot more engagement in terms of the senses. You can smell the paper and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of the analog kind of analog is a lot more of an experiential kind of feeling. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a joy in the tactile world. And I think that's why you find, um, you know, with vinyl, people enjoy dusting off the albums, cleaning them, putting the needle on. Uh, same with the typewriter. Same with that's why film is making a comeback too. People enjoy loading a camera and only having thirty-six exposures rather than a limitless number. Um, I do want to touch upon the past. Um, you've done some music videos, and specifically in the past, you worked with New Kids in the Block. Yes, there's a reason why I'm bringing <laughs> this up. Really odd. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were some of the videos you kind of worked on with New Kids on the Block? Well, I did their very first album. And what happened is the record company came to me and um, they had done something before and they were kind of, it wasn't happening and they, they said, hey, what do you think about this song? And so I got together with my team and we, um, you know, we created this first video called Please Don't Go Girl and then it took off and uh, I did that whole first like five music videos, five songs. And it was fun. That was like, yeah, years ago, but it, yeah. was, like, it was fun. The reason I bring it up is because it, the, the boy band life cycle kind of seems to mirror what you were talking about in the film with typewriters where like at the height of their popularity they were doing well and it's everywhere and it's the same thing with typewriters there's constantly everywhere and there's demand for them and then it starts to wane partly because the technology in terms of like recording is getting better and stuff that people are using pro tools and auto tune and things like that you don't need the same type of voices and then there's almost kind of like an abandonment a little bit of shame like oh, I can't really believe I did that like went down that road or whatever 
And then all of a sudden there's a kind of a resurgence where the boy band kind of comes back and then there's, they're more popular than ever in a sense. And it kind of mirrors the same thing with the typewriter. Just that journey and that path. That well, that's life. I mean, uh, all of life is based on waveforms. So uh, everything goes up and it goes down. And there's um, lightness and darkness. Everything has an opposite. You know, I don't want to sound too new age here, but it's you know <laughs> everything is based on that. Whether it's the waves in the ocean or audio waves or whatever. So the stock market going up, going down. It's like you can you can always count on whatever's happening now for the opposite to eventually happen. The film, though, it feels like this is almost just the beginning. Like, vinyl's kind of all come all the way full circle back because now we started the proper uh, pressing plants. And so we're making vinyl again now. Right. With typewriters, they're still not being made. I think they're just, like you even mentioned, you had the one, the company in India just recently shut down uh, by the end of the film. But this feels like it's kind of now just beginning. Like, you're almost at the beginning of the, of the resurgence. Yeah, I mean, um, typewriters, I don't think anyone will ever make a typewriter again because it's too expensive. And, um, you know, as Tom Hanks said, it would cost like, you know, $15,000, you know, like have, have a new typewriter for sale. But there's a lot of them out there. There's, you know, there were millions and millions of them. And they actually, they were so well built that they still last 50 years later. So, I mean, I think most of the people like from Tom Hanks to John Mayer who are using typewriters, they're using these 1950s, 60s machines that if you just put a new ribbon in them and, you know, oil them up when necessary, they still work great. The oil up part, I want to talk about, um, was his name Ken? The dude who Ken, was, yeah. Uh, Ken was, Alexander. Yeah, he was working in a store called California Typewriter, and he was repairing them. And that, to me, st- stuck out because we're not a repair type of society anymore. We kind of all walk around with our iPhones with the busted glass. And that was kind of like an old school mentality that almost seems to have faded as well, like mm-hmm. to go back and to want to repair or something. We just kind of replace now. Well, yeah, we used to repair things a lot more. You'd buy a refrigerator, and if it wasn't working, you'd get it repaired if you know, a vacuum cleaner, uh, whatever. Now we've become a throwaway society where, especially like printers, for instance, you buy a printer, it's not working, you just throw it away and buy a new one because it's it's too expensive to repair things. Uh, Even with cars now, they're just replacing parts. It isn't like you can actually go and fix your car anymore. You just have to take out the old part, put the new part in. Uh, it's just the way the the world's gone, which adds to the landfills and all the you know yeah the junk you know. And uh, you mentioned John Mayer. I was blown away by the comments that he made and the, the way he was talking about creativity and like it's a mindful creativity is basically what he was kind of describing. Mm-hmm. Just that slow kind of pause and reflection and being able to then articulate something uh, using a typewriter. I'm not used to usually hearing John Mayer kind of be that eloquent and that articulate. So that was kind of a really surprising interview. Yeah, well, I mean, John's great. He's so smart, so sharp. I was, I was blown away when I shot him. His mind is just so <laughs> amazing. You know what I mean? It's like, so anyways, I love that interview we did. And he, yeah, he uses a typewriter, um, you know, to, to, to work on his lyrics. And uh, I think he likes it because he, there's no spell check or grammar check. It's like he can just get thoughts from his head straight out on paper. And plus the, the paper exists. It's not like it's a, a digital file, you know, sitting there somewhere that you forgot where it is, on what hard drives it's on, or what folder in the cloud it's on. You can actually, you know, it's a stack of papers. You can see it. This picks up on your theme of rebellion because you touched upon that, how like there's a lot of groupthink and sometimes the typewriter allows for individuality and kind of to break out of that group think right because it takes no courage to use a sidewalk that's the sidewalk is the path laid out for everybody but to like kind of go rogue like john mayer did and to kind of then say i'm going to start creating this way he's obviously clearly thought it through and he wants he's trying to 
find new ways of being creative. And this is one of the tools that he's kind of using to be creative. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the themes of the film is permanence and the fact that uh, something you create on a typewriter it exists. It's on a sheet of paper. And actually, what's different about typing is that the ink is stamped into the paper. So it will last for thousands of years if kept out of the sunlight. Whereas the stuff that comes out of your laser printer or your inkjet printer is, is on top of it. And after a few years, it will just fade. So, you know, we show in the film, like, uh, Tom Hanks had this, saw this letter from... Um, Noel Coward. Noel Coward. And, uh, you know, it's, it's written and it still exists. And so I think the thing is, yeah, there's this thing, you create something and it, you, you hope it exists longer. You know, longer than, I don't know, like it's a file that can be deleted or if you don't pay your iTunes account or iCloud <laughs> account, it all disappears. You know? Yeah. Did this film and working on this documentary, did it shape your creativity as well? Um, it was really fun to do. I mean, for me, I, I make my living uh, making commercials and, um, you know, some music documentaries and things. But um, for me, it was something that I did be on my own between them. I, pay, I, self, I paid for the film myself. I shot it, directed it, edited it, recorded the sound, pretty much did it all. So it was really freeing creatively to just do this film totally my way and not have somebody telling me how to do it. And, and when I was done with it, put it out in film festivals and um, it's just a pure act of it was a labor of love that I made totally just for the joy of making it you know? it started off as a short and then you kind of graduated to doing a feature along the way from short to feature did you have a whole story in mind of what you wanted to kind of tell or was it kind of evolving and then you would just kind of go down that road you know the whole film was an evolution I mean most films you know because films cost money uh, the filmmaker has to write up an idea and then they have to go to people with money and sell that idea to try to, you know, go out and make it. Well, since I self-funded it and it was just me, pretty much, um, I just, you know, I shot the first thing at the shop and then I slowly started meeting people. I met Jeremy Mayer who walked in the shop. Jeremy told me about Martin Howard. And then it just evolved from there. I just followed people. I followed the stories where they led me. And it was just a, yeah, it was a total thing where I just put my faith in the 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 creative process and just trusted that something would come out of this and the community as well too the the community is very like they're connected and you can see they're having a lot of fun and it's like it's like when other groups of nerds or like people who are passionate about one thing get together it was i was kind of surprised that there is actually like a typewriter community that exists out there it's really warm you know everybody i met through this film i don't want to sound corny but everybody has such a good heart you know they're they're really kind of warm beautiful people and I really enjoyed the process of making it I didn't meet one typewriter lover who was a jerk you know so <laughs> I don't know I it was a total joy to be you know involved in this world for the time I made it did you see, notice any consistencies other than the warm heart in terms of like their philosophy or why they kind of approach because we touched upon like John Mayer and his creativity uh, Tom Hanks wanted to talk about permanence, like you mentioned. Have you noticed any kind of similarities in terms of their approach to the typewriter or what they kind of want out of the well, typewriter? I think people are turning to the typewriter for different reasons. Some people just want to have a, a digital detox and pull back from constantly being online, constantly being just in social media. And it's digital burnout. And so they en enjoy putting a piece of paper in and having the quiet to write. Other people find that their ideas come to them that way. Uh, some other people, um, they just like t touching things, you know, the tactile experience rather than touching glass, you know, on an iPad or iPhone. From your perspective then, you, you started off with one typewriter? Yeah, I started the film 
I mean, the, the way the film came to be is I bought this Underwood 5 typewriter to put in my office as an object of art. And it sat there for a while. I bought it for $6 on eBay. And, I, I, and it would kind of call to me to come over to push it. You know, when I was just walk, thinking of ideas or whatever, I pushed the keys and they were stuck. They wouldn't work. So I decided to fix it up. And I found this one typewriter shop left in the Bay Area called California Typewriter. And as soon as I walked in, I met the family. And I just loved their passion for what they did. And so, yeah, I, so I, made, I did that. And, and then it evolved from there. And so I had that one typewriter. And then through the course of making the film... I would, ha I would need to get other typewriters to shoot close-ups and things like that. And I ended up with 85 typewriters at the end. <laughs> and um, they've taken over this whole storage place. So I, I want to cut them down to the, the, my 10 favorites and maybe give the rest of them away to people as gifts. You had in, in the documentary, you asked Tom Hanks if there was like a Desert Island typewriter, one that he would only want to keep out of his whole collection. And he has about 200 or 300 of them. Out of the your collection of eighty five, is there one specific one that you would want to like the one that you initially yeah, yeah, started the, off with? The uh, no, no, my favorite one that I found was it's called an Erica Ten, and it's a German typewriter, uh, and it's just so beautiful. It has this little switch that, when you click it, it opens the the lid, much like the trunk of a car opening. <laughs> I mean, it's just the design and the, the the you know, it's almost like the the beauty of a car. You know, I mean, it's got the same kind of. You know, uh, designers spend a lot of time working on the shapes and the curves of this, and um, it's a kind of a work of art. I enjoy it, and the, it types great, and I write letters to people on it. Yeah, the sculptor, uh, Jeremy Mayer, he, he was really neat because, like, he was able to use a lot of the, the shapes that you're talking about and the curves and all those kind of things and c properly incorporate them into his sculptures, into his work. And that was really neat to see because it's like... It's, it's re-engineering the engineering, if that makes sense. Yeah, Jeremy, what Jeremy does is he destroys typewriters, takes them apart, much like an erector set, and turns them into a bunch of pieces that he reassembles. And a lot of his sculptures are uh, android figures that are representing how he, where he sees mankind going, part man, part machine. Uh, so, and he finds all the parts of us inside the typewriters. So he, you know, he said the typewriter is a very human machine it was built you know to to mirror our hands and and things like that it's an extension yeah exactly so what's next with the documentary like you said it's been making its way across festivals and uh what are you hoping eventually it's going to end up on dvd will there be some extras as well yeah he um uh, with the film we premiered it at telluride a year ago and which was great and then it played the film festival circuit and then it got uh released in new york and l.a uh, about two months ago, and now it's just expanded. It expanded across the U.S., and now it just opened in Canada. Um, it's gonna within a few months, it will come out on iTunes and um, a lot of you know DVD and places like that. You can see it, and that's where everybody watches movies now. Anyways, it's yeah. it's hard to get people in the in the cinema. You know? What is the reaction you've gotten as you've gone to the film festivals? Are people kind of like surprised by this typewriter community, like I was, or they're digging it, or they have their own typewriter stories, or like well, most most people a lot of people come up to me afterwards and they say you know my wife dragged me to this film it's like i i, I thought it, i don't want to go see a movie about typewriters and and then they say and i realized at the end it wasn't about typewriters at all and that's and i think that's been the thing is like getting people over uh because people think it's just a movie about typewriters and famous people talking about typewriters and it's not it's really a story about humans and and how we view life you know and um so I think it's a marketing issue of, of, of getting people to, uh, to watch it. Uh, because most people, once they watch it, then they tell their friends, and there's, it's been great word of mouth on this film. So. 
Yeah, and I think sometimes too, this again picks up the thread I was talking about at the beginning, which is like, it's just this kind of revenge of analog where like people were like, see, we went too far with the technology, now we have to kind of go back. It is, in a sense, a market correction, right? It's like when a good band comes out with a great album, it's like it's a comeback album, right? right. And it kind of resets everything. And I think sometimes people think the, we don't need a reset. Like we could just keep going, we could keep, keep adding iPhones and iPads and things like that. But we do kind of need a reset, which is what you were talking about with the digital. Yeah, we, al- we always do. And I think when you go too far one direction, the bubble bursts and, and, and you go somewhere else. And um, that's what changes. And it's, 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 it's good to have that change or else life would be really boring, you know? When you traveled to a number of different countries, including India in the film, was there kind of a different reaction outside of North America to the typewriter or to... Because yeah. it feels like some of the vinyl and some of the analog stuff is a little bit more North American based, or at least that's where our media kind of, that perspective, you know mm-hmm. what I'm getting at? Yeah, there is. A, the only part of the film that I didn't film was the India sequence, which was because Jeremy was in India for six months working on the sculptor, uh, working on this sculpture he was making. And um, there was a girl over there who's, she's the daughter of a famous photographer in India who started Magnum. Um, and so she would visit his studio uh, every couple of weeks and then send me the footage. But yeah, in India, they're still using typewriters on a daily basis. If you go onto the streets there, there are lines of typewriters where people come and get documents typed. Uh, so there are these last kind of countries that are still hanging on. Cool. Thank you so much for like talking about uh, typewriters and analog and uh, the characters behind the typewriters too, right? The medium is the message. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great.